0: Adam James came to Nashville from a small farm town in Illinois after listening to country songs while on the tractor with his dad, and was soon playing the Bluebird like so many of his heroes. Before long, he was a Music Row regular, getting his first publishing deal and his first cuts. He got his first massive single by Kenny Chesney, which is currently climbing the charts. He also has another side of him that he may or may not talk about. We laugh and talk a lot about our heroes like Garth and Roger Miller and Randy Travis. Here's Adam James, thinking and drinking, one night only. <laughs> Adam James, how are you, my friend?
1: In the house, I am well. I'm glad we told all those stories off the mic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you got the configurations over there. You might be have been read the whole. No,
0: time. I wasn't. I did wear this shirt for you though. Earl
1: Haggard could kick your sorry
0: ass. Oh yeah, yeah, he probably could. He probably could. I had still uh, still
1: <laughs> <laughs> The Ghost of Hags.
0: It'd take him a while. I gotta open a show for him out on the west Coast and the band walked in and to catering, and he was sitting there with one of his guitar players and they all looked at me because I was the oldest, of course what are you going to do? I go, I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to get me a piece of chicken and I'm going to go sit down with Merle Haggard. Cause this is never going to happen yeah. again. And we sat down and he goes, what should we talk about? What should we t-? I go, I don't know. How you doing?
1: Yeah.
0: And he looks over at me and looks at my plate. And he goes, what do you reckon? The last thing went through that chicken's mind was I said, buck. And he said, I reckon you're right. And he just went back to eating. <laughs> that was it. It was like, Yes. Oh, he doesn't man. hate me.
1: He's a long list, one of the long lists of people that I wish I would have gotten to see. I feel like I had one chance. He played like a Tattoo Festival <laughs> in Nashville, maybe, I don't know. When did he die? S- 16 or 17?
0: Yeah, Does probably. That sound right? Yeah.
1: I think it was like a few years before that and I just didn't I just didn't pull the trigger on him. Yeah. I should have. I should have. Even even if it's bad, right? You still just want to be in the same
0: room. At least once. Yeah. There's some of those guys, and I'm not going to say who, but mm-hmm. I don't ever want to see again. Yeah. Because the last couple times I saw them, they were yeah pretty bad. Yeah. I got to do a whole tour. It was uh, Lori Morgan, Merle Haggard, Clint Black. And that was back when Clint and Lori were both rocking, and I was mm-hmm. working at RCA. And so every night... I'd hurry up with the meet and greets with Clint so I could get out to watch Haggard.
1: Yeah.
0: And dude, he had those old bandstands, you know. And I don't know if guys had sheet music or not, but like when Clint Strong would play a solo, he'd stand up and he'd play it yep. with that wine red Les Paul. And then he'd sit back down, you know. And, and it was <laughs> Everyone
1: just. Everyone does the golf club.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because everybody was sitting. Yeah. That was just, I don't know, man. I was, that was cool. I love the big rock and roll spectacle and everything, but there was something really cool about. Seeing that happen with twelve or thirteen thousand people, yeah,
1: it's pretty and, neat. And Merle could croon too. Oh man! I mean, people don't.
0: And he could play. I feel like
1: realize that? Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. He was
0: a lot better player than a lot of people no, think. He, he was. He's
1: he's bad to the bone, man. I I do feel grateful. We were just talking about Daryl off uh, off mic, but on mic.
0: <laughs> Get off mic. my
1: uh, one of my previous publishers, Daryl Franklin, gave me tickets to see Willie at War Memorial. Oh, cool. Uh, I want to say 2017. January 2017, I believe. And that was just great. I mean, he's, you know, way too old to like care at this point, but he's just got it dialed in. He would do medleys and he would have like a rack of red bandanas (laughs) already tied and folded on his, on his amp. And he would take one off after, you know, three songs, go to the edge of the stage and Fling it into the crowd. And he'd go back to his hand and he'd put another one on. I'm like, this is amazing.
0: Somebody's breaking just a amazing. hip trying to get to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking for the melody.
1: <laughs> but it was awesome. I just, yeah. I just wish I could have seen everybody. That's 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 my time machine. Everyone's like, what would you do if you could go back in time? I'm like, go to every country show, yeah, possible. I mean, you know,
0: the I'm one that I invest
1: didn't... in Apple and go to every country right. show possible. Like, <laughs>
0: The one that I didn't get to see, which bothered me, well, there's two. One was Ozzy Osbourne, but we're talking country. I never got to see Johnny Cash. Yeah. And I just, I wished I really would have. I got to see Hag a bunch. I got to see Willie a bunch. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know. I'm sure kids these days are going to go like, man, I wish I would have got to see Garth Brooks. Yeah. You know, and we got to see him a lot. We got to see him a blast.
1: That was my first concert, man. That That was my Elvis moment. My Oklahoma Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> he was I mean, he was just larger than life. You know, I wish it could have been someone like Jerry Reed or someone, but you know, it was Garth. I was born in eighty seven, so who do you who else is bigger than him in nineteen ninety four, right? I mean, it was Nobody. he was the guy. So I saw him at the Illinois State Fair, and then I saw Reba the next year, so
0: pretty darn big too.
1: That uh that kind of lit the fire, so to speak.
0: The first time I saw Garth, he was opening for the Jeds, and I was uh, working at RCA, and mm-hmm. I was out with the Jeds, and they their last opening act was Randy Travis.
1: Wow!
0: It's like yeah, you guys know how to pick them. Yeah, you're doing pretty good.
1: Yeah, man. That uh, those those bil- those old bills were really really badass, and I will say, oh, just to go into the new school a little bit. 2013 or 14 Chesney had Eric Church and Casey Musgraves oh, as his man. opener which you know we're kind of apples and oranges here when it comes to like sure the, you know the, who you were just speaking about but all things being equal like that's pretty sick that, that'd that be like a Bonnaroo like just book those three artists right now and go stick them on the Bonnaroo farm and like have an all day thing like that would just be I think fantastic
0: country man. does that better than any format mm-hmm They'll take out, I mean, for a year I was out with FGL. It was Tyler Farr, FGL, and Jason Aldean. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, and it was like a $60 ticket. Yeah, You yeah. know, it's not It's not a $1,200 right. Madonna show. <laughs> yeah. And so, it yeah. but they're so smart because everybody in the family likes something. Mom and dad, son and daughter can all go. Yep. They may not be able to go to every show, but they can go to a couple of those yeah, a man. year. I think country's so smart doing that. Yeah. I hope I'm glad you said that. I hope they keep doing that. Yeah. But so you are from a uh, a small Illinois town. Yes, sir. Is it Jamestown by any chance? I was wish. It, was it I your wish town? that was the name of
1: it. This is my time. <laughs> I can't sing that We gotta pay for it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I got I hit the mute button real quick. He said my I know, he said I know my guy. time.
1: <laughs> I know a guy that could uh, give us a discount on that one maybe. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah man, I grew up about thirty minutes outside of Springfield, okay. Illinois, which is farm town USA, man. It's just, uh, cornfields as far as the eye can see. And I pretty much grew up in one and both my grandfathers farmed corn and soybeans. My dad farmed corn and soybeans, his brother, my uncle, <laughs> it's just, just everybody. But honestly, in my family, uh, in my, you know, you know, I guess you would call it like Super close family talking first cousins and stuff. I, I believe it's me and one other cousin of mine the who don't.
0: Was there anybody as far else? As guys go. Yeah. Was there anybody else that was musical?
1: I will offend my parents. When I say no, yeah, <laughs> just because you know they'd sing in church, we'd all we'd all kind of do the, sure. the church thing, but they you know they weren't gigging or anything like that. Like it, they weren't playing instruments. They were, they
0: were. but it was once a week.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was Amazing Grace at you know ten o'clock in the morning. Right. So it was a little different. <laughs> a little different, but no, you, you know I, I still, I I owe my love for country music to them for sure because you know they just listened to the radio and they happened to listen to the radio at an incredible time in the genre. Yeah. And I just got exposed to all of that stuff, man. I used to go ride in my dad's combine, you know, every, every fall he would pick corn and I'd go ride along with him. And it's like Joe Diffie, John Deere Green on oh, the radio man. and like Mark Chestnut and Sammy Kershaw. And yeah. You know, Garth, obviously Garth, but Alan Brooks Jackson, and Dunn, Alan Jackson, Clint Black, Randy Travis. It's like, God, just yeah. a baptism into songwriting, right? I mean, I didn't know at the time that that was even a thing, but um, here I was just totally captivated by the songs.
0: Is that what got you into songwriting? I would say so. Or did you even know? I would say so. Let me rephrase that. Your Honor. You probably started singing first with the family in church. Yeah. And you started singing along with the songs on the radio. Right. So did it dawn on you that those guys wrote those songs or that somebody else wrote those songs?
1: it's kind of funny because you know, we got a satellite dish in the 90s, and we're talking a satellite dish that we couldn't even fit in this room. (laughs) It's one of those, and it's completely been at this point, you know, my dad has shot holes in it um, with his AR-15, so um, it's no longer in use. But when it was we would get CMT and MTV and yeah. all that kind of good stuff. So I just I, I vividly remember watching CMT and seeing, um, you know, a music video for something Tim McGraw, let's yeah. say, and it would say, you know, his label say Curb Records. It would say Tim McGraw, Curb Records, produced by Byron Gallimore, mm-hmm. and then it would say Riders. Okay. C. Wiseman. Uh, yeah. Steele. Anderson I was like
0: Whoa. I don't know what I'm like, is.
1: what are they doing like
0: yeah wait, who a are
1: guys? wait a sec you know so that that kind of took the top off so to speak for me and I kind of started figuring that out and then not too much longer after that I'm really crunching time here together but cuz that was obviously kind of more in the late or mid 90s late 90s but then they had the show on GAC mm. you know the Hitman show so watching that i'm like these guys are rock stars yeah on two like two streets in yeah. nashville you know it's like it's not broadway and it's not you know sunset boulevard but it's 16th and 17th avenue i gotta go check this place out so it kind of all it all came to a head at that point
0: that's interesting that out yeah because i was growing up i was always a. Uh, ZZ Top, Van Halen mm. guy. Well, they all wrote all their own stuff. So right. it never even dawned on me. Or I was listening to the local country radio station here in George Jones. I just took it for granted. Mm-hmm. He wrote that. Yep. So it wasn't really seriously till I got here that I even knew that writers existed, yep. that there were session guitar players and stuff. You know, I mean, I knew about the L.A. guys and the yep. New York guys from guitar magazines, but I didn't know about any of that I stuff. would,
1: I guess, thinking back to... I, uh, I was a liner note kid as oh, most everyone, you know, born before 2000 was. Yes. And, um, <laughs> I, I remember seeing like a John Michael Montgomery record that my parents had and just getting, you know, it was a cassette and just opening that up and seeing that as well. Like the parentheses names. i like, yeah. who are these guys? You know,
0: what is this studio they're talking like, yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. And you yeah. can see
1: all of that stuff. And, um. That was just captivating, man. Even even on records that weren't country, you know. That stuff was just amazing to me and I just wanted to figure out find out about it.
0: At that you know, time, I mean, did you start writing?
1: No. I th- I'm pretty sure I didn't write a song until college, but I wanted to. I lo- I loved it. It just wasn't a thing yeah. that I thought I should try, you know. <laughs>
0: Hey man, your parents and my parents sat a lot alike. My my parents, I, they loved me, but they didn't even know how to encourage me yeah.
1: to write a song. That, right. that
0: We all I grew up in the same place mm-hmm. you did, out mm-hmm. there in the middle of the cornfields. But so who then? Like, so would you say your main influences started influencing you in college, or did that start more when you got here?
1: I would say, I would say I've always been influenced by. Country music, and that's a loaded statement because I mean country songwriters, right? You know, when I when I say, you know, the first time I heard the dance that made me cry, and I was seven, and I had no idea why, right? Because that was like this universal feeling that no seven year old should know, but I knew it for some reason, right? Because that song was just so pure and so yeah, so uh, bullseye. Just when it came to like emotion, so. That was obviously Tony Rada and yeah. I didn't know that. Right. You know, so all of those songs made me want to do it. Uh, but you know, then you go to college and you go to high school and then college, and you you get into other people, other bands, other genres, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I really don't think I kind of dove into the writer, the Nashville writer scene until I moved here.
0: So when did you was, move
1: here? Very end of two thousand nine, so I I always say two thousand ten.
0: Well, you grew up so close to St. Louis and Chicago. I mean, did you ever think about going to either one of those places musically, or do you you always come to Nashville?
1: I went to college outside of St. Louis. Okay, and um, for a big city, it's not really a music place. There are places to play music, but it's not a right music place if that makes sense. Yeah. as far as the scene goes, and by that time, I, I knew that Nashville yeah. had it—you know, had everything that I wanted. So,
0: so you got down here, um, and you started. Did you start trying to write?
1: Yeah, I was writing at the, you know, okay. at that point, and I kind of knew what a publishing deal was. I knew um, kind of how how to just how to go about that, right? How to navigate that. But I didn't know anyone. I I literally knew zero people here. So I just I moved here and I was like, man, I gotta play the bluebird. I gotta play the bluebird. That's just what you do. That's what Garth Brooks did. That's what Adam James got to do. (laughs) So, so um, you know, I probably you know hadn't even written twenty songs at that point. But like, I felt like anything was possible. So signed up to NSAI because that's how you could play the bluebird. You could you know. Do the audition, so I went and did the audition. This is like a month after I lived here, and um,
0: it's a really important first step, though, yeah. man, or at least it, an early step.
1: No, it was for me because you know I, uh, <laughs> I I did the cattle call, which was I think eighty writers on a Sunday, man. And you come in and play a verse chorus, and that's it. And it's you know, some publishers will come out and judge, and some folks to just you know work there and, and do it all and through that I uh kind of just got the ball rolling you know people I honestly have no recollection of like what the hell I even played but yeah it was something where someone was like pretty good you should come and do the Sunday night thing and then it's like through that i you know just started climbing the ladder and Making relationships, and uh, that's obviously what this town is about, anyway. So,
0: were you just going to three riders nights a night, trying to meet people and yep. shaking hands?
1: Yep, all of that. Kissing w- hands, and shaking babies is what I say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was—it uh, was just all of that, man. And um, the, uh, Barbara Cloyd is someone that works at the Bluebird, and yep. is definitely a staple of that establishment. And she was a judge, and Eric and uh, Wallen Nichols, who's the manager of the Bluebird now. She was a judge. Um, it was just; it all led to relationships with them. And I would say, "Hey," a month later, I'm like, "Hey, I got this new song. Can you check it out?"
0: You really? Know? So, use yeah. them as a sound award?
1: Yeah, for sure. That's cool for sure. And then, um, I don't know. Six months later, they they both were just really willing to help. You know. Yeah. And, um, Barbara sent me to Scott Gunner and Rusty Gaston, and both of those people. Took Pretty the time good. to meet me, yeah. you know, and and that that felt like such a um a pivotal yeah. kind of moment because you move here and you could be here for five years and not meet those guys. Oh you yeah. know what I mean. And I was here for less than a year, and I was meeting these guys, and they yeah. liked what I did. So I, it, it it just it added a lot of fuel to the fire once you start getting that sort of um rec- I guess recognition is the word for it, but yeah, it just Encouragement? Po- positive encouragement, exactly.
0: Were your so. influ- influences that you had then, are they still your influences? I
1: would say so. Um, I, have a th-
0: I have a theory about that.
1: Yeah, I would. I think that uh, that was a very, that was an awesome time because I was figuring out where all the music I loved come f- came from, right? Right. So when I, you know, when you're in college and high school, like John Mayer just came out and he was a brilliant songwriter, brilliant guitar player, just completely opened my mind to music in another way, pop music in another yeah. way, right? Because he was like Dave Matthews, but more structured. Yeah. And he knew you know, it was...
0: Better dresser.
1: Yeah, better, way better dresser. <laughs> Same vocalist, but you know, right. um, but like... <laughs> but uh so he he was a heavy influence on me um but before that it was Brooks and Dunn and Garth Brooks yeah. and, you know so it was like how do i do both of those things how do you know how do i find that middle ground
0: such a fine line as far as influences is th- those early influences go so deep in you mm-hmm. But there is a time where they are done influencing you. You're still a fan, but they have helped you create what you are. Right. And figure yourself out as a writer and an artist and, right. and whatever. And so, yeah, you're going like, how? well, how do I play a honky tonk, but also mm-hmm. John Mayer?
1: Yeah. Do yeah. something like, because what, what I've always loved about John is the intelligence of his lyrics. Yeah. And the way that... He said things very cleverly that I hadn't heard in a country song, really. You know. But then I move here and I discovered Roger Miller, and I'm like, that guy is the cleverest son of a bitch I've ever yeah. met in my life. You know, or not, not met but heard. And so that kind of led me down that rabbit hole where I just devoured everything Roger. And then, See that's
0: where I'm thankful for YouTube is for stuff like that. Yeah,
1: exactly. And the
0: Haggard show and those kinds of. There's not
1: enough content. I know there's got to be more stuff out there on Roger because I've read the books. Yeah, I've searched YouTube just hoping that I would. I'll search by upload date just to make sure no you know oh, no yeah. one's pulled up a you know video from the archive and just uploaded it. It's just I just I need more.
0: A lot of that stuff I've heard is. And it, it was the same way at like Sunset out in mm-hmm. L.A. studios. Tape was expensive, so yep. they would make a record, then they would record over yep. it. And a lot of that old TV stuff like that, it got recorded over. Yep. Which is just insane. A lot of the Glenn Campbell stuff. Oh, uh, man. Just insanity.
1: Yeah, that's another one that's just... I just wanted to hang out with those guys, man. Oh. Not that I'm, not that I'm, I, not that I'm having a bad time hanging out with you, but I would just want to hang out with Roger <laughs> Miller. Like, you do. I want, like, I got this book. I'll do a plug. I'll do a book plug. Um, it's called Ain't Got No Cigarettes. Uh, and this guy that, that wrote it, it's named Lyle Styles, And apparently that's his real name, so. I like it. But it's all these interviews. He's
0: got a lot of style.
1: He's interviewed anyone that knew Roger. And we're talking from buddy killing all the way to a bus driver, right? And just <laughs> stories about him being the first country artist that had his own plane. Yeah. And how he would ring somebody at three in the morning and ask him what they were doing. And they would say, we're sleeping Roger. And he would be like, come to the airport. We're going to Denver. There's a burger. You, you got to try this burger, You know? So he would just, they would fly out there for, for lunch and then they would come back. Or, Did
0: he have a plane before Buck Owens?
1: I don't know. I, It's made it it made it seem like that, but when we are maybe they both had them, you know.
0: Yeah, when we're back off the mic, I'll Mm -hmm. tell you a couple of Roger Miller stories. But
1: no, I'm dying too. But yeah, so you know, what what started as uh, your high school influences, as far as like branching outside of the country world, um, you come here and you get handed a compilation of Roger stuff or. Dennis Lindy songs who who we talked about last yeah. week on Clubhouse. And that just kind of that completely made me just want to dive in even further and kind of ditch the, you know, rock and roll slash pop thing that Mayer was. I was like, that's great. I'm always gonna love that song. I'm always gonna be thankful because he made me learn guitar past the fifth fret, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh that's super valuable, but this is where it's at. So Dude. once I, once I got turned on to that stuff, it was pretty much game That's over. That's the
0: thing in, in just finding the brilliance in that simplicity mm-hmm. and realizing that you can play a Roger Miller song with three chords yeah. and, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Jeff Steele came up to me one time and he, he just looked at me and goes, you can't change film with the kid on your back. He goes, you just can't do it. And he just turned around and walked off. And I just laughed my head (laughs) off. Because you think about those kind of songs, and then you think about his real heartfelt songs, and they're coming out of the same cat. And it's just mind-boggling.
1: That's exactly what, like, pretty much everything I strive for is just to write something as funny and entertaining as a buffalo herd or... You know, King of the Road, even, I, I think is an entertaining as hell song. Oh, yeah. But then you also want to be able to do something like The Last Word and Lonesome is Me. Oh, man. Or Husbands and Wives. I think it's like one of the best written songs of ever. All time, yeah. So, um, yeah, when I heard Last Word and Lonesome is Me, I was just like, gosh, this is the guy. Like, he is the guy for me. And, um,
0: but there yeah. again, the simplicity, it's like you can you it's, can see it.
1: It was literally there the entire time. That's it. right. There. <laughs> and he was the first person yeah. that was like, Hey, this is a unique way to say this and it just it blew my mind. Yeah, And he was probably just
0: laughing when he wrote yeah. it. He goes, I wonder if any other dumb asses <laughs> thought of this. <laughs> well, so what was your first publishing deal? You wrote I know you were up for Jeffrey also. Did yeah, you, was that um, your first deal?
1: It was not. My first deal came about kinda of through Scott Gunner, oh, okay. um he was really interested in doing something, but he was leaving Universal and um, he passed me along to a guy named Freeman Weiser that oh, was yeah. there. And I think, I believe if, if my memory serves me correctly, Freeman had signed a few people that quarter, like already. So he was pretty much like, man, I want to be able to do anything until like next year yeah. or, you know, January, whatever. So I was like, okay, yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm just, you know, try to do whatever I can and uh just glad that he would meet with me, let alone like put a piece of paper in front of me. So he passed me along to a friend of his named Sarah Johnson, who's now Sarah Kenabe. And um he was like, Hey, I really want to sign this guy, but I'm not able to do it for probably six more months and I love her. I think that you would like him. And we met twice I played her, I, that was when I was just writing 100% stuff, you know, and I think we had a meeting, I played her three songs, and I think she had a meeting the next week with like Allison Jones or something, and she got like one of them on hold or two of them on hold, and it was like, hey, we should sign this guy. I know he's like fresh <laughs> off the boat, but like he's, right. he's writing these things by himself and they're quality things, so that led to my first deal, and it was awesome because Roger Murrow was the head of that company. Because Bug had bought Windswept and oh, Murrah Music, right? And they were just kind of in that acquisition phase. So, um, and obviously Windswept, you know, the story of that. Um, so Roger was there, Sarah was there, Jody Williams, son Ed Williams was there, John Allen, and um, dang, it was just a great, a yeah. great company. It was like Gordy Sampson, Jeff Hyde, Jaron Boyer, a few others. Yeah, but, I- it was just a good you know yeah. for me just trying to get in and like learn what the hell was going on. It was yeah. it was awesome. Um
0: and also for a guy that didn't co write a ton, those are great guys to yes. write with.
1: Yes. I was and I was just trying to figure all that out and develop. But like most things do, that company that had been accumulating and acquiring catalogs got acquired. Yes. You know.
0: Got accumulated.
1: By BMG, so that wasn't even a year into oh, the man. deal. So it was, you know, that's just how it goes. And I'm forever grateful to them for the introduction. Because yeah. once you, you know, nobody's interested until somebody's interested. Yeah. And that was my somebody. And that completely led to everything else. You Dude, know? that
0: makes every introduction at yep. a writer's night 100% easier. Yep. Well, here's here, here's who's my publisher. He yep. like, oh, well, then I do want to write with
1: you. Yep. So...
0: Do you still write a lot, hundred percenters? What
1: you know, I just knocked one out during that snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just something that I had that I, I didn't think anybody else would be jonesing to jump on. But uh, I still, you know, I still do it. I yeah. still think about it. I think about ideas like I'm going to finish them by myself because that's usually the ones that no one else is thinking about. Right. Um, I just think we're at a point. Right now, at least us as, I say us as a community of writers and also myself where collaboration is the king right now. And if for no other reason, it's just the angles, yeah. right? So-and-so writes at this company who has this artist or so-and-so writes for this producer's company who has this artist. It's just yep. so-and-so is friends with this artist. It's just, it makes too much sense not
0: Absolutely. To, to
1: do that, right. Yeah, the so days that's of, where I bring my hundred percent ideas is to into yeah. those situations.
0: Yeah, the days of just writing a great song and yeah. throwing it against the wall are gone.
1: Which makes me really sad. It makes me sad, it also makes me just yearn for the times of Lindy where he could <laughs> just be his own brilliant <laughs> self, locked away, and then send his genius on a cassette into town and then he would get a badass check for it (laughs) and that's that's awesome but you know those those days are gone
0: seriously do you think i mean where's country music going are we are we coming back to that or are we too track guy oriented Mm -hmm. and i will never take anything away from anybody's talent i can't do that stuff it's just not that attractive to me personally but i mean you can't argue with people that sell out stadiums you know but i mean do you ever think, I mean, I remember, and I freaking love Chris Stapleton, and when he got signed and started having some success and making some waves, everybody was going like, that's going to bring back real mm-hmm. songs, and this and that, and it just hasn't. Yeah. And, I mean, do you think we ever will? Or I mean, I don't know. I think,
1: well, I should preface this by saying I'm somewhat of an optimist, <laughs> but I have, to, I have to think that it's not going to be one artist to just usher in right. yeah. a wave, you know, like a Randy Travis was, you know, back in the day where it's sure. like, this is going to turn into traditional, like really quick. It, that's just not going to happen right now just because there's the list, the listening audience is so far removed. I feel like from those stone cold country artists, like being on the radio, sure. like when you think about who the listening audience is now, mostly kids who have no idea who a lot of those artists are. Yeah, for sure. You know, and that's who, that's not the entire listening audience. Right. But that's definitely the demographic that everybody's trying to tap into. Hey right.
0: And every time they get in a car, there's 400 stations with XM. Yes. And they're flipping, they're constantly flipping where... The towns that you mm-hmm. and I grew up in might have had three stations. Exactly. One was a news farm station, yep. country music. There was a pop station. And then I don't know what the other one was. Maybe a Latin station. Usually
1: classic rock. Or classic rock. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: And I and it's it's weird to say that everything is too accessible. And right. You know, you always see Scott Borsheda with music has value,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which we both totally agree with. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that the crowd does. The audience does.
1: Yeah. I. I agree with that. And I just, you know, it's it's definitely becoming segmented, right? Like there's always going to be room for whatever the next hit is. And yeah. ed, saying what a hit is is just very difficult right now because what I think a hit is is totally different than what, you know, John Esposito or Mike Dungan or Scott Porchetta or Randy Goodman thinks is a hit. Right. Because they know they have got way more analytical – Data than I do, well, and they're you know, and they 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 have all the artists. They, but if you, what's cool to me about country right now is like every label has both are, both types of artists. Like they've got
0: country and western,
1: yeah, country and western, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> country and western, rhythm and blues. We like a good two for one <laughs> that's here. Um, so that's, but you know, they've got you know, Universal's got. Keith Urban, and they've got um, Sam Hunt, I and mean, they've also got, still have Alan Jackson, who just released a record. Did he really? And yeah, and they've got um, Chris Stapleton. You know, they've yeah. And then you go over to like Warner Brothers, and they've got Dan and Shay, but they've also got Cody Johnson and Randall King, and then you go to um, Big Machine, and you know, down the line, like everybody's got. They're they're. It seems like they're starting to sign more traditional things. It seems that way. Whether say, or not they can get those people yeah, in the top 10 is another story. But, you
0: know, Well, you say, progress. I think Parker McCollum was the yeah. only new act with the top 10 last year. Yeah. And, you know, the, the guys that you just mentioned at the top, <clears throat> excuse me, the reason also that they can tell you what the next hit is going to be is because they are the ones yes. that are putting that music into yeah. the pipeline.
1: Right, exactly.
0: So yeah that's
1: exactly i I just think uh, I think there's there's a there are people who want it yeah um, I just think they're going other places for it now than you know major label national records yeah and that's just how it is. but lucky for those artists who probably don't want anything to do with us like they're able to tour and they're able to yeah. do their thing like they don't need the machine anymore because they have created their own and they they can just go and
0: if they're going to put their music available on the internet mm -hmm. and they can tour and they're not going to sell that many records anyway right i'm with you
1: yeah i mean i would love for i would love nothing more than you know somebody to come along and just completely george straight the hell out of the town but dude it's uh, just it's just just a different spot right now
0: amy and i play a game and we're in the car and she'll turn it to 80s country and she'll test me 80s and 90s country just because all the years i did record promotion and i have to name the song the artist and if i can what record company it mm-hmm. was on and and we just always marvel at the fireman or something mm-hmm. and you just go that song was wouldn't even get on the chart yeah. right now that yeah. singer probably wouldn't even get signed yeah. right now, yeah, and yet it it formed all of our lives in one way or another,
1: right, yeah, um, no, I totally did um I'm super thankful for being able to do what I do. It would just be great if there were a few more people who cut outside songs, first of all, which is George all yeah. day, yeah, um, and also just. That just wanted to talk about things that maybe weren't just one thing, or yeah. two, you know, or two things. Which is another reason why I freaking love Dennis is Dennis Lindy, is just because none of those songs were about <laughs> what you would typically sit down to write a country song about. Yeah, as we think of country songs today. Yeah, that's just you know, I
0: don't know. What kind of cowboys are from Mars? I don't understand <laughs> yes. this. So, what was your first cut?
1: My first cut was with Dirk Bentley in two thousand sixteen. It was called Roses in a Time Machine," which is a very simple country title that I brought. <laughs> that was a great segue. um
0: I like it. look at me, I'm on a segue
1: um, <laughs> it was uh it was Luke Dick and I our first write ever um, Man. and I just yeah, it showed up with that idea. And I'm like, here's an idea for a country song. <laughs> this guy who screwed up that wants to get the girl back, but he can't, unless he goes on Craigslist and gets a DeLorean, which is in the second verse. And it's like, uh-huh. so luckily, you know, that made the rounds and Dirks was like, this is great. So that was the, that was the first one, man. It was, it was awesome. You know, apparently we were like Minutes away from having the first single, but then somewhere on a beach happened, and that yeah didn't happen. So
0: I think every writer's had that yeah. happen. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. What was your first Absolutely. single? Uh, it was last year with Zach Brown band. It was a song we wrote um, for his daughters, but I was just getting ready to have a daughter too, so it was very special. But they were independent last year, so it was just I mm. almost almost consider. This current Kenny Chesney thing to be like my first, but I would right you know I would be incorrect at saying that, but yes you know you'd be a miss yeah I'd be a miss yes but you know it was great it was awesome I'm super thankful for it. Charles Barkley danced with his daughter at his wedding to or at, at her wedding to the Zach song, so you know I, I don't have a, I don't have a plaque for that song, but that's pretty cool yeah because Charles was the guy back when I was growing up
0: dude. He was the original chocolate Thunder yeah he was well I guess Daryl Dawkins was maybe before him but
1: the yeah. round mound of rebound <laughs> yes. was was his name and he was bad to the bone
0: well I saw your stuff on Twitter and I also I saw your uh, your comment about songwriters getting point zero zero five cents per play are you talking about radio radio or screwify as I call it
1: I'm pretty sure it was Spotify I'd have okay. to check it out. I'm sure it was something I retweeted. Um but yeah. I'm pretty sure
0: that's it's pretty cool how that's Spotify. There's no amount of lawsuits that can get us paid more money, which is pretty interesting.
1: Man, I thought we did it. I thought I we thought, did too. I thought um Mayor Mayor Lee yeah. and the gang really made it a thing, but Yeah, it is Spotify. Yeah. Spotify passes fifty billion market cap for the first time.
0: Yeah. And you look at your statement and your song got <laughs> forty thousand spins and you made almost four cents. Or, or
1: forty million and you make a hundred dollar. Yeah. <laughs> or, or it's more than that, but it's not. Yeah, you know, it's not what yeah. it should be. Yeah, Anytime it's just all about impressions, right? Like from yeah. you know, from whether it's radio or whether it's advertising, it's all about impressions. So if you're literally making that many impressions, there needs to be a sizable amount of income coming back. Yeah. It's just, it's very basic math, very basic econ.
0: And if you can, (laughs) and again, no offense to Joe Rogan, Mm -hmm. because we love him, but if they can pay him a hundred million dollars, you know, they've got the money.
1: (laughs) Did you see that, um, the English, the premier league soccer team was for sale and the guy from Spotify like wants to buy it. Yeah. I was like, "Eh, that's great. Yeah, that's perfect.
0: You know, that's my money. Yeah,
1: he should buy some oceanfront property in Arizona. Is what he should buy <laughs> with all that money.
0: <laughs> so there's a feller named uh, Fort Worth Ferguson. Would you like to? Uh, yeah, tell us about.
1: Fort Worth came about. I want to say so. Just to do a little callback. Bug music got bought by BMG. Oh, okay, I went to BMG for a year it was a very transitional time. Um, but I met Daryl Franklin there. He left to run Jeffrey Steele's company. I went over there with Jeffrey. So this is like the first year at Jeffrey's. Okay. 2015,
0: uh, uh, something like that. 14, 14. Okay.
1: And the year prior to that, I was out of a deal. I worked at a moving company for a year with like six ex cons and three other writers. <laughs> so um, it was very much like the music industry. But yes. it was um you know
0: at the same ratio.
1: Yeah it was a good it was a good intro. But so I did that and I worked at this Mexican restaurant. I just did everything anything I could to like stay here and find the next thing. So yeah. I found the next thing and um everything prior to to me writing at a publisher and and during my first deal was just me trying to be um, Tony Lane or Tom Douglas or Jeff or Brett James you yeah. know so people who wrote what I would consider um, meaningful songs yeah about meaningful things yeah. and uh, not a party anthem I just didn't yeah. I didn't I didn't know how to do that I didn't really like it even though I was a fun. Guy and a fun loving guy, I, for whatever reason, when it came to music, I was like, This shit's I gotta cut deep. <laughs> I was like, You know, yeah, that I, was just I, how I, I get
0: it. You're wearing Daisy Dukes yeah, and your tailgate's
1: down, yeah, yeah. You're hot, but have you ever heard? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard Chisel and Stone? <laughs> like, <laughs> like um, you're about to, yeah. Um, so I would, you know, and not no fault to anyone but myself, I guess, but I just didn't know how to write. Yeah, that sort of song that was um, getting cut because like that was, dirt road anthem, time that was um, cruise time yep. that was uh, drunk on you high on summertime speakers go boom boom time smash hits yep, and I was just like how do we, I don't know how to do that yeah so through frustration you know um, came invention and that was Fort Worth Ferguson I was at. 12 south tap room with some guys and uh we were just kind of looking at the charts or something and like Dallas Davidson had every song oh i know in the top 10 or it not the top 10 but the top 5 literally yeah. uh, literally every song in the top 5 and i was like man he just got it figured out yeah. like that dude knows I, and i'm sure he can write the other stuff just like Rodney Clausen can write the other stuff i mean he wrote I saw God a day and he wrote yeah. you know Amarillo Sky like just that's the kind of shit that I'm like hell yeah um, but then he can also write the radio. Did he? Yeah. yeah. And he just, you know, it was just, it was me being frustrated because I wasn't there yet as a writer. I didn't know. I hadn't done it long enough to figure out how to do that. So yeah. basically I was like, man, I just need a catchy name. I just need a catchy name like Dallas Davidson. <laughs> so I started, uh, started Fort Worth <laughs> Ferguson. as sort of, I guess you would consider an ode, you know, to the man himself in, uh, it kind of allowed me to venture into a headspace of fun, like fun and only fun. Right. And from that, it kind of, it kind of just opened my mind up to, to be in, to not taking myself so seriously and not taking my music so seriously. And every song didn't have to be, you know, this deep thought of uh, changing the world or changing someone's mind or you know all of this it was just like hey you can write a song about beer dude like you can do that yeah (laughs) and it's okay you know it's okay so i started writing those songs and um the first song we wrote was called lasso to asso about picking up a girl at the bar and uh just made it sound like joey produced it you know Mm -hmm. on fort worth and uh anyways is there a sent it out and like, I, I literally sent it to like Sarah, and I sent it to Scott. And then not even like five days later, I go get my hair cut at this place called Trim oh, on 12 gosh. South. And the woman who owned that shop, her husband worked at EMG, His name's Tony. And he was in marketing and stuff. And <laughs> Tony thought it was great. <laughs> and, and his wife knew about it. And he goes, I get a text from his wife and it's, an e- it's a screenshot email. This is five days after I sent Lasso Dadasso to like three people. Right. Five days later, it's an email screenshot from Autumn House. And it's like, she had sent this song to like everyone in the building. She's like, this made me pee my pants today. Like, <laughs> y'all have a good weekend. And I was like,
0: oh, shit. I was like, hey, what have we I done? was not
1: expecting, you know, I was not expecting <laughs> this, you know. So then I was like, well, we got to do another one. So we wrote another song, it's called Boots and Hats, and it was uh, based on the boots and hats and boots and hats, and it was based on that beatbox thing, and it was just like, I'm going to write this song about this dude just going to the bar and looking like a million bucks, just dressed up like he came out of a Brooks and Dunn music video.
0: Is there a clear-cut line between you and... Fort Worth song wise, because I mean you're a, you're a yeah. very funny, great sense of humor guy that puts that in other songs well, too.
1: Well, that's I guess you know a roundabout way would be to say it kind of allowed me to put that tool in the in the bag, sure, so to speak. Or so
0: arrow in the quiver, perhaps arrow in the quiver. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's that's exactly how I feel about it though, because because now I can get an idea. And instead of making it ridiculous, yeah, instead of taking it to eleven, maybe just do a seven and a half. Yeah, <laughs> and then it becomes something that Luke Bryan would like, or you know, something that anybody, you know. So it just kind of taught me to to loosen up and to uh, have fun. Honestly, to have fun because music is supposed to be fun. Writing is supposed to be fun. This is literally the funnest job on the planet. Earth. Absolutely. So it just allowed me to do that. You play and, music. Yeah.
0: So is there a chance that you and Fort Worth could do a duet album?
1: I would love to do that. You know, people started thinking about it as Chris Gaines and. Um, oh, dude! No offense to Garth, but it's way better than that. And, <laughs>
0: <laughs> not much is. And
1: uh, but, anyways, yeah, I, I would love. To, I would love for that to happen, man. I've, I've written some songs recently. Uh, Just the Tippin' is one of them, which is kind of a song about. Meeting a girl who doesn't want to hear the new stuff, you know she just wants to hear the
0: Aaron,
1: the old songs. A.A. Ron and uh, I worked with him. Yeah, so I love him. Um,
0: a. That's, a. A. A, Ron. that's a
1: great. Yeah, that's, that's a when great he's writing one.
0: Irish poetry. It's A.A. Yeah, Ron. A, a.
1: Ron. Um, that's a that's that's a solid one for the for Fort. God Save the Dairy Queen is a, another good one. Really big in Europe. <laughs> in some colonies in Africa, still, right. but um,
0: which is weird.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's a handful, man, that that need to be unleashed on the world. I like it. But, but you know, so boots and hats was our second song, and I had written in town at this point for five or so years, and Missy Gallimore had you know obviously passed on everything that I'd done until boots and hats. And Daryl's like, You'll never, you're not going to believe this, dude. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, Missy e held uh, boots and hats today for Tim. I was like, I've done it. <laughs> I have done it. <laughs> you figured it out. <laughs> I figured it out. Yeah. And uh, that would have been his best song of all time, but it wasn't. <laughs> boots and hats didn't Live like you were dying. Then green grass grass. That's right. But you know, it at least allowed me. Like I said, just it kind of saved my. It didn't I mean not, it didn't literally save my life but it it saved my creative life yeah. I think uh just because I was able to have a blast and I think that permeated everything else that I did from that point in time to you know it was well it's great I'm thankful for him
0: as yeah. a writer dude the only- <laughs> I'm thankful for him <laughs> You guys could tour together, like do the Ronnie James Dio hologram for one of you, and you know
1: that's you know that's what kind of Scott was alluding to. Like I used to open for myself because <laughs> like I would do I would play it um, Douglas Corner, rest in peace, and I would do Adam James for forty five minutes or an hour or whatever it was, and then I would uh, change clothes in the back, and I would come out, and my DJ would set up because he doesn't have a band. He's just got a DJ. Why and then I would, um, I would set my boom box up with a mic on it and I would essentially karaoke my own songs. And meanwhile, lampooning, um, whoever needed lampooning at the time. <laughs> so it was a great time. I, I punt, I would like drink a Miller light and then I would autograph the can and then I would punt the can into the crowd. And my wife, who was a, Barely, my girlfriend at the time like still has one of the cans, and like, oh. so that's very. Consider that asso lassoed.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, do you want to do my lightning round? Mm-hmm. All right, this is easy stuff.
1: Do we drink white lightning? What's the yes? Okay, yes. Cool.
0: so I'll have to find that somewhere. How
1: much is an Uber from here? <laughs>
0: Uh, To Mississippi, it was like $1,200, but that's another story. Yeah,
1: we're not going there.
0: What's your favorite book? Hmm. And or who are your favorite authors?
1: My favorite book... This is is hard because I've only recently started reading fiction, which sounds ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But uh, I would probably have to say Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Mm -hmm. But that's a boring answer for people who want like me to say the grapes of wrath or something like that. Right. But I just got a lot out of the outliers book. It's just for a long time, I would just only read stuff like that. That was informative. And, uh, yeah, just that's, you know, that's the 10,000 hours rule from outliers. That's, um, the pro- uh, like all of that proximity stuff. Like when it talks about, um, Bill Gates and stuff about the Beatles and their, you know, Hamburg times, like it, I just got so much out of yeah. that information. It just—I
0: don't read much fiction. I, cause I figure again. if I am going to sit down for an hour and mm-hmm. read, I want to learn something, yeah, not just be entertained.
1: I did. All of that being said, I did just watch the Ernest Hemingway documentary that Ken Burns did. Oh yeah, and it's really fascinating because he's a he's a full hero at this point, right? Yeah. Like he's been gone long enough where to someone like me and probably you know probably yourself, like no one that I knew. Knew him, right? (laughs) You know, and that's how I think about some country artists too. Like I really think about Roger Miller that way. Like he's just someone who was created, like in a fictional uh, town.
0: Good friend of mine.
1: Yeah. So you've got at least like a
0: six uh, degrees from Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Like you've got
1: that. Yeah. But for me, Hemingway was just someone that you read about. Like a, I don't know.
0: And so. even the crap is shiny when you're reading it about him. Anyway. Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: So that documentary was fantastic. But I actually sat down and read like The Old Man and the Sea the other night, um, and I started on Farewell to Arms. So yeah. I'm at least dipping my toes into like that kind of stuff. So
0: well, it's fun to go back and go. Why are these people yeah. so?
1: Why is it massive? still around?
0: Yeah, and there's artists. I mean, because Craig and I are both mm-hmm. big readers, and we're always whopping books and stuff, and we'll talk about. Certain authors, and he'll just go. I can't stand that crap. Even mm-hmm. though it may have been the guy that wrote The Great Gatsby or yeah. something, it's yeah. like, well, still, I just I don't get it. And run-on sentences are three pages long, and yep. there's no punctuation, and it's stupid.
1: Yeah, it gets on your nerves. You know, you know, is real. You you probably know this. Yeah, uh, but Hemingway went as a journalist. Um, to World War II. He like right. went to, to Europe and he was basically there to just write about what he saw. Yeah. And he was a rock star at that time because the first time he went was during World War One, and he was not able to join the military because he was, he had a vision. He had, was like farsighted or whatever. Um, so he we literally went and ran candy bars and stuff to like the front lines as just a, Man. you know, um, first aid. So. World War Two. he goes over there, he's hanging out at a hotel or whatever, and um, this young soldier comes up and says hey to him, and he's like, hey, I, you're my hero, like, I want to be a writer someday too. Here's an essay that I wrote, you know, and then Hemingway reads it, ends up writing him back, this is great, like, you know, a month later, whatever, it's J.D. Salinger, the, yeah. the soldier. That, that is something that blew my mind in that documentary. Man. If there was nothing else. I mean there's a lot of stuff in there, but just thinking that JD fought. Yeah. You know?
0: I think they ended up co writing Charlie Brown, which is really weird. Mm. For those wow. t- t- yeah. Not everybody That's knows awesome. that. Yeah.
1: I gotta I gotta read some more of him too.
0: <laughs> so are you a bath or a shower guy?
1: Definite shower guy. Um but you know if I had a bathtub,
0: that's kind of I would. Of the, kind of, you know, yeah.
1: it's. I think the bathtub is like something nice. Yeah, that's like what rich people do. And I'm, you know,
0: with the way of I've the only day had day. one
1: single, so I don't <laughs> have
0: a bathtub.
1: Yeah. Let's be real here. Now,
0: I've got Let's a bathtub. <laughs> yeah, but you're also six five, so that's not going to work, right? What was the last gift you gave someone?
1: Ooh. Ooh. Well, I guess it was probably a uh, Land Rover Defender.
0: Nice. <laughs> that's why you that's can't a, afford. A that's a tub. one
1: one sixteenth scale version. <laughs> it was my son's um, oh. present from the Easter Bunny. So, dang, you know I am now Santa and the Easter Bunny.
0: So. Easter Bunny got a big basket um, at your house.
1: I also gave my wife uh, like the brand new AirPods for oh, yeah. Christmas or whatever that she really really wanted, and then a month later she lost one of them. So we'll no. stick with the Land, rain, the land Rover. <laughs> it is probably another, she did just find it though.
0: There's probably another Christmas coming up. It's gonna, you know.
1: She did just find it. Thankfully,
0: okay. So your first concert was Garth. Mm-hmm. Would you call him the Oklahoma what?
1: Oklahoma Elvis. Nice. Well, you know, because Petty, Tom Petty, said that like when he saw Elvis, that was like when he knew that he had to be a oh, musician. Okay. And I feel that way about Garth Brooks. it's just way less sexy than saying Elvis. You know, but whatever.
0: So how old were you and did you get a t-shirt?
1: I think I was 6 or 7 and I don't believe I'd got a shirt, but I definitely have many Garth Brooks shirts.
0: Yeah. Um I'm Out an am e- the-
1: an eBay guy. Like I probably would have a bathtub by now if I just saved all my eBay expenditures and bought a damn tub, but uh so you Obviously buying- this hat, I've got probably I've got probably like 30 vintage country hats. Um, I did my newest one is a Jerry Reed one that I'll have to show you. I
0: love Jerry Um,
1: but so, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm a collector when it comes to that kind of stuff.
0: So are these like picture shirts or are they the Mo Better stuff?
1: Um, they're the, they're just the old, okay. the old tour stuff. You know, he came to St. Louis, um, maybe like mid, like more towards the 96, 97 time and my aunt saw him mm-hmm. and she got me like. Or she got a shirt, which she doesn't want anymore, so she gave it to me like 10 years ago. So that is my Token Garth shirt. Nice. And then my sister in law had the, <laughs> the Man vs. Machine shirt, uh-huh. which is the most recent, one of the most recent records, which we won't talk about in red here, but. Um, I've got that shirt, too. So
0: Is your aunt's Garth shirt pink and shredded from about the mid-drift down?
1: I wish it was. And so I used awesome. to be able to wear that when I was manorexic. But um, <laughs> as the dad bod has crept up on me, nobody wants to see that anymore. Here's the Jerry Reed.
0: Oh, dude, that's so great. Yeah. What an amazing picker he was, too, man. Oh, man. And great writer.
1: That's the thing. We were talking earlier about yeah. You know, going back in time to see shows. And I've got this... Vinyl that I got on eBay, and it's Jerry Reed live at the Exit Inn.
0: Really? And I think
1: it was from the seventies. It might have been eighties, but still, wow. Like just so cool. I would have loved to have seen that show. He would have been that show specifically. Too, I know. Man. Oh yeah, just hilarious. Like he's one of those guys too. who's just, you know, hilarious. Like he's a true entertainer. He would. He wouldn't even have to pick up a guitar and he could carry a show for two hours because he was just that type. And he wouldn't
0: have to open his mouth for about the first 10 minutes. Right. Every time Smoking the Bandit comes on, Amy and I watch it and we watch it for very different reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, what was the last movie you saw in a theater?
1: Oh, gosh. That is a great question. It was Uncut Gems. Did you see that? The Sandler. Yes. Movie um who was the The Safety brothers did it? Yeah. Very intense yeah. movie. But I literally think the world shut down like a couple months after that. I'm a, I'm a movie I'm gonna I'm a go to the movies by myself type. Are you? Like really? I love to do that. I've I used never to live by the Bell Court okay. and I would do that all the time. I I still if I have time or if I get a cancellation or something, I, it gets harder now with the two kids, but um I love to do that. Just because you feel like you're in solitude, even though you're with you know fifty to hundred people. Yeah, it just feels like there's no distraction. Like I can watch a movie at home, but this is phone is sitting right here, and then yeah. this has happened, And it, you know, it's just different. The, the I love the theater. I could I could get that movie pass thing that came out for like sixty seconds, and then went away. Like I could I could go see every. Everything. I would go see everything
0: before this. Yeah, the shutdown happened. That was that's our date night. Mm-hmm. Once a week we go to a movie. Yep. And we have our routine. We what was the last was one a... that you
1: saw in the theater? I don't
0: know. I don't remember. Amy thinks she knows, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah. I don't know because we just we just see.
1: What was the last gift you gave to somebody? <laughs> just ripping <your> head. <laughs> Oh, um, how the turntables!
0: I think it would have. Would have been an Audi SQ5. <laughs>
1: there we go. <laughs> full scale or one-sixteenth? Uh, this is full scale. <laughs>
0: but we, we bought that together. We yeah. That,
1: together. that was a joint gift. What's your favorite book? The Bible. Okay. I've heard of that, yes.
0: <laughs> it comes in black, usually. Yeah. It, uh, I get something out of it every time. Yeah,
1: for sure. That's awesome.
0: But yeah, but I read, I mean, I'll read anything on church Talk Churchill. about a bestseller,
1: too. I mean... Yeah, stood the test of time, you know. (laughs) Well, that's no. You got yeah. You got a stack here.
0: Yeah, I read. I I read probably twenty or thirty books at a time all the time. Well, but well read. I like reading. So, what would you be doing if you weren't doing this?
1: Like, if this was just not an like if this didn't exist, because I'm definitely one of those dudes who like, this is it. Yeah. Right, like the you know
0: You'd still be playing somewhere doing something. I musically.
1: would want yeah, I would Yeah. They're just I don't know. I don't think I could do anything else. But if we're forming the question as if this did not exist or right. you know, I would want to be in the um, I um I would want to be in the front office of a major league baseball team. Really? I I would want to like be one of the... I would, I would love to be, like, the general manager of, yeah. of a Major League Baseball team.
0: Interesting. Just
1: because there's so much... Uh, that's just a whole other podcast, but baseball is my absolute yeah. favorite thing outside of well, music. Growing,
0: growing up around St. Louis yeah. and Chicago, yep. I mean...
1: My affiliation lies with the Cubbies, um, but I just love baseball enough to... Like, I'm, I'm literally over here, like, checking my fantasy baseball team. Because to me, that is like running a team, right? Like, you've yeah. got... You're, you're drafting an entire pitching staff, closers. You've got your yep. whole lineup. You've got to drop people. You got to put people in. So, I'm a fanatic when it comes to stuff like that. The problem with that is pretty much every GM in Major League Baseball went to Yale for like stats, <laughs> or yeah. their or their dad ran the team since Moneyball
0: or whatever. Right, looking for, yeah,
1: exactly. So. There's that. It's kind you of know? the
0: George Costanza. I could be a color guy. Yeah. Uh, most color guys are former players. Oh, well.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if only nepotism reached further, you know.
0: What's your favorite song? Hmm. And it can be one you wrote, or it can be Amazing Grace. Man. It can be, and I know that's an impossible question. No,
1: yeah, it, it is, but there's so many. Hmm. I think the song that I get the most joy out of listening to is probably a tie between "Time Marches On" hmm. um, and "Red Dirt Road." Really, I don't, and I don't know. I think the "Red Dirt Road" thing is just nostalgic yeah. for me. Um, but "Time Marches On" is just this epic snapshot—three snapshots, right? of yeah, this family. It's, I just I love that song. I just think that's one of the best ever, and it um, still does. Yeah, right. It's just yeah. when it comes to uh, the Hemingway thing, his his philosophy was saying, you know, write one true sentence, and then write another one, and then and that's just time mm-hmm. marches on to me is literally yeah it, the entire song, and I just love how it grows. I love how it moves, and um, it's awesome, man. Mm. I'm I'm a huge fan of that song.
0: What are you listening to just for fun these days?
1: Um, probably something that my wife recommends. Yeah. I'm not like I'm not great at I'm not great at like the new music. I don't I don't have Spotify. Right. And that's not necessarily because they suck, which they do, but uh That's why I don't have it. I just don't I just don't have it. I've always had Apple Music and I've always I actually just got turned on to Tidal. Okay. Which is awesome because they have credits,
0: like ah, like okay. everything,
1: like assistant engineer, drummer, bass, mandolin. Like it's really great, and you can click on any of those guys. I could I could go to um, can't take the honky tonk out of the girl, and I could see who played the drums, and I could click on that drummer, and it would be everything that he played on. Really. And I could click on you, and it could it would show everything that you've.
0: So it's been an part even of. more detailed, like allmusic.com, or what? Is that what I'm thinking? Yeah. All music, yeah.
1: I guess so. I guess so. That's pretty cool.
0: Boy, there's a rabbit hole. Um, huh? Check this out. As we
1: reach across the aisle, oh. And you don't even have to do anything for that. They just have this, like, database It's incredible.
0: That's interesting.
1: So, they're not paying me a dime, which they could if they wanted to, but, you know, I've been preaching the gospel for a while now. I think
0: there's a couple of cuts I didn't know I had.
1: There you go, dude. Find the money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Like, there's a whole bunch. <laughs> hmm.
1: But if you click on oh yeah, we yeah, we can talk about it later. But anyways, what am I listening to for fun? I don't... I check out, I feel like I have to check out the new stuff when it comes out. Yeah. I always do, but I really just always end up listening. I just end up doing deep dives on someone who I haven't done in a while. So like a few years ago I started buying vinyl like crazy just to find stuff online that I didn't have. And like, I got obsessed with Green Onions by Booker T and MG. So I just like wore that out for like two weeks. Right. And then about the Jerry Reed live at X and N so I just listened to that for a long time. And then Man. I just I kinda just find those rabbit holes yeah. just to jump down because there's so much music. Yeah. And I feel like even though I I'm, I'm somewhat of a history guy, like there's still stuff that I've never heard. Oh there's, dude. there's more that there's always gonna be more that I haven't heard than I have, right? And I'm always just trying to listen to that stuff. So whether it's like some obscure like Ray Charles record or some you know,
0: Scott Gunner Burn said
1: Bernie thing. I'm like, I'm just, I'm trying to figure it out.
0: Scott Gunner said on Spotify, he just read that there are over 17 million songs that have never been played even once. <laughs> and then you talk about the other songs that have been played a million times yeah, or five, yeah. ten million times. Yeah. Seventeen million songs never been played even once. So then you go That's like, hard to believe, but oh, it is. It's but, it's un it's crazy.
1: Yeah, somebody just. There was that Old Dominion cat sounds record, which is probably a lot of those. They took pet sounds to another another level. There, they dude. were
0: going to tour that album, but the <laughs> N double no, what is the NPCA? The, yeah,
1: everybody's allergies kind of yeah, caught up to it's, them, it, yeah
0: It's hard to have a. It's hard to wrangle a bus full of cats. I'll tell you that much.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: ask any Broadway person. <laughs> so. <laughs> What are your uh, your socials? Would you like to plug something? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I'm private on Instagram just because my Instagram is really like, hey, I had this song released, and then 10 posts about my kids. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's underscore Adam James underscore. And that's um, Twitter and Instagram. Nice. Facebook is just a burning hellfire that I am like this close to. To deleting I just that's like yeah. my only that's the only way I can like keep in touch with people from my hometown yeah. that are like my family's friends and my friend. you know what I mean like that's literally the only thing keeping me there
0: <laughs> well so much of social media because I want media, them to
1: see you know and see my kids I absolutely. Want to see, you know, see all that kind of stuff to but, me
0: that's what I love about social media is yeah. it was our dog's birthday or my kid turned six or you know and it's like all the other stuff that got so hateful and so right. middle finger-ish yeah. It's just wears me out I don't I don't hardly go on I
1: mean I went to college in 2000 and, uh, 2005 or six and that was when you had to have a ed, a dot edu oh, yeah. to get Facebook. And then fast forward ten years later, and my grandma has
0: it, and I'm like, yep. "This is
1: probably not the thing anymore." Right. <laughs> it's probably, not, it's
0: probably, it's probably isn't that cool. Anymore. She's on there burning flags and <laughs> yeah. stuff. She's really pissed.
1: My, my grandma's, uh, she's 93, <laughs> and she, I will post a picture of, you know, my baby, and she'll respond with a jiff, <laughs> <laughs> have like hearts popping. <laughs> Like I'm like, you are badass. Yeah. Like high tech redneck George Jones all over again. You're
0: better than I am.
1: Yeah. Hey. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, yeah, follow me on the socials if you want to, you know. I just it's just really kid heavy, but you know, pride and joys, you know.
0: Yep. Awesome man. Thank you for your time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks
0: for coming out. Let's to- talk
1: about some dirty stuff.
0: Dude, let me shut this off. <laughs> See you, buddy. <laughs>